guys. Uh, I just want to take a moment to ask you to please head over to ronbeekiii.com slash shop and take a look at the comics that I have for sale. In particular, I want to highlight what to do when you frame yourself for serial murder, volume one. It's the first issue of a three-issue series um, about a guy who sort of accidentally, through being in the wrong place at the wrong time, becomes the prime and only suspect in a series of grisly homicides. Um, And you'll never guess uh, how the first issue ends. So go check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very 171st episode of What the Fuck Are We Talking About? I am one half of your hosting duo, Ron Beek III, joined here, as always, by Mr. Ryan Alves. Ryan, on this week's episode of What the Fuck Are We Talking About? What the fuck are we talking about? Uh, We're talking about rare exports. Rare exports, that's right. But of course, as always, before we get into that, we're going to do our standard off-topic. And if you want to skip ahead to the topic, just get right down to it. Jump ahead to this time code right here. About 51 minutes and 55 seconds. Um, yeah, we're starting our Christmas programming. Hopefully we're going to get a couple of... I think we're going to double up one of the episodes, or one of the weeks. We're going to do like two together. That way we can get, like, as much bang for our buck with the Christmas season before Christmas actually hits. Because sometimes programming this show a week out is a little bit difficult. I don't really like it. It's a little a little hard. But I used to do a one-day turnaround, and not for me. I, I didn't really... You'd record, and then you'd have to edit all of it, get it all set up, so that the next day you could put it out. And it made it more current, made the off-topic more current, but it kind of sucks. Yeah, it so, seems uh, stressful. It is a little stressful. And it was also when I was working a much harder job. So I'm wondering <laughs> if now that my job is a little bit easier, if I might be able to do that flex and have everything be super current. Um, because that's one thing I don't like about the week out, is by the time certain episodes post, things have already changed. So the things we talked about don't really make any sense in reference to what's going on, uh, which is kind of my fear about this week, because it's only a matter of time before Henry Cavill is recast as Superman in the new DC universe. Yeah, yeah, last night we got some definitive news from James Gunn and company, as well as Henry Cavill, uh, when it was revealed that Henry Cavill despite appearing in Black Adam and despite announcing his return as Superman on his Instagram channel, uh, Henry Cavill is in fact not coming back 
as the Man of Steel. Um, he posted this 19 hours ago as of this recording. He said, I have just had a meeting with James Gunn and Peter Safran, and it's sad news, everyone. I will, after all, not be returning as Superman after being told by the studio to announce my return back in October, prior to their hire. This news isn't the easiest, but that's life. The changing of the guard is something that happens. I respect that. James and Peter have a universe to build. I wish them and all involved with the new universe the best of luck and the happiest of fortunes. For those who have been by my side through the years, we can mourn for a bit, but then we must remember Superman is still around. Everything he stands for still exists, and the examples he sets for us are still there. My turn to wear the cape has passed, but what Superman stands for never will. It's been a fun ride with you all. Onwards and upwards. Um, now, we're in a rare situation where finally DC films are actually kind of transparent about things that are happening. Um, so James Gunn was also quick to add to this whole thing. Um, and he, you know, it seems like Twitter is where he likes to talk about this stuff. Um, he said, Peter Safran and I have a DC slate ready to go, which we couldn't be more over the moon about. We'll be able to share some exciting information about our first projects at the beginning of the new year. Among those on the slate is Superman. In the initial stages, our story will be focusing on an earlier part of Superman's life, so the character will not be played by Henry Cavill. But we just had a great meeting with Henry, and we're big fans. And we talked about a number of exciting possibilities to work together in the future. Um, according to the Hollywood Reporter's sources, this Superman will be on the younger side. He won't be living in Smallville, but rather will be Daily Planet reporter Clark Kent. Um, Gunn says he has been writing the script for a while. Um, and I'll save the next little bit for after this discussion, but... <sighs> I... I as a fan, I just feel like nothing good happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything is just kind of bad. And anytime something good happens, they like take it away really quick. I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. We're getting Henry Cavill back because I've long said that like he's my Superman. It's really the first Superman that I ever cared all that much about. Um, and I just sort of feel, I kind of feel a bit gutted about the whole thing. I'm trying to remain positive, but it's like the first news that has come out of the DC, this DC universe reboot thing. The first concrete bit of news is that they're getting rid of Henry Cavill. Um, and that to me has set a really, it started things out on a really sour note. He also chose to do it like days away from Christmas, like a week and a half away from Christmas. So it feels like this deranged maniacs version of a Christmas gift. And like, I honestly, I cannot wrap my head around the strategy. The only bit that I get is that 
this was going to be controversial and it was going to piss off a lot of people, especially with Henry Cavill being told that he was back and telling us that he was back. Like, this was obviously going to piss off people. So, the only thing that makes sense is that, yeah, you kind of have to do this first and you're probably best to do it before it leaks. You want to stay ahead of the reporters on this one and you want to have it kind of come from Henry's mouth and then have James follow up that that makes sense to me but this is just a fucking nightmare for me remember how relieved I felt I mean, when they announced Henry Cavill was back you, I was so relieved you got a trilogy you know you got three movies with him and like yeah it's but like really was the it way DC has operated even in the comics for the last fucking hundred years and like Marvel keeps a pretty you know tight ship everything's in like the same city and town and like they they have weird parallel universes and stuff like that oh yeah i saw what that last guy did but fuck that i'm gonna do it better and kind of like destroy it and then you get a hundred years of uh that kind of baked into the comics of just people uh just trying something totally different or like new or just like i don't know uh it's like leapfrogging without like acknowledging the person they're jumping over or something i don't know but yeah the dc movies have hilariously kind of operated in a similar fashion of just being like well here's this bunch that was fun you know like you know you get like the nolan trilogy or something like that and they're like okay we should I guess tap Chris Nolan to do some stuff. Like, if he doesn't uh-huh. want to build the universe, we'll find a guy that, or he'll find a guy for us that'll do that. And like, yeah, you know, it's it was a fucking slog to, uh, doing the whole Snyder verse, but that's like what they've been doing for the last like ten years. And like, I don't know, this bit of news. I mean, I think we got to see the Flash too, because he could, you know, jumble up timelines or something like that, and like a younger Superman gets spit out, and it's like, oh, he's still in Metropolis, but you know, some some bit of like the Snyder stuff never happened, and like he's a kid again or something. But I I don't know. It's it's just I can see James Gunn just cherry picking the stuff that he's been working on and keeping it and being like, oh yeah, but. I'm going to change everything else. That's the thing that fucking annoys me is like, I, here's what I would say. All right. Tell everybody, Hey, everything that happened before the flash is, you know, in a lost timeline now because of the events of the flash, that stuff has been closed off from us. And you know, for all, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman is still out there doing Ben Affleck, Batman stuff. And you know, all that stuff, right. That's happening out there in the universe, right? Then this new DC universe, you can just carry over the cast and like thanks to Marvel, like audiences understand what like a variant is. They have like a term that they can apply to this and they can go, "Oh, so Jason Momoa is still Aquaman, but this isn't the Aquaman we knew. This is like they're starting a new story." Like, you could do that, and the actors that don't want to come back, Ben Affleck, you could be like, oh, well, apparently this is just a different, this is a different Bruce Wayne, you know what I mean? And you could just 
kind of transition lightly into this. Like, you could do a soft reboot, and I feel like At you DC? could get all the things. What's that? At DC? Because here's the reason. is because I don't think the cast is the problem. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying that they're, they are not even, like, popping the clutch before they're changing gears. <laughs> they didn't even start the car. Oh they're no! Just, the, just the, clobbering the car, the the car is moving, them. and they're in like third <laughs> gear, going like fifty miles an hour. But they got like a twelve-year-old that's just like sitting at the top, like in the passenger seat, just reverse, wrenching reverse. it into like you know the wrong gear, just jamming up whatever <laughs> the, the fuck they're trying to do, and it's like axle flies you know, off the car it's a perfectly sound idea to do a soft reboot and like try to satisfy as many fans as you can but you got james gunn who's been like dude he's just gonna just had, having people fucking kissing his ass for years now and it's like dc literally is giving him like keys to the kingdom and uh yeah. Whatever he wants to do is like a okay, you know. And I don't I don't really care that Henry Cavill's not coming back or like whatever is happening with the Snyderverse isn't happening. Like I wanna see a Justice League too. I wanna see Dark Side, but like if James Gunn is gonna give me Dark Side in like five years, I can wait, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean And I'm also kind of expecting just like the next batch of movies to just be as like closely Marvel adjacent as uh, you know some of his other stuff has been, and just like loaded with like shit music and like dumb jokes, and uh, you know my uh, my standards will continue to plummet, but hopefully he'll make like you know one good dumb thing while he's there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, my my thing is, to me, if you're going to throw everything out, I don't think your shit should be immune. Yeah. And I really have a hard time believing that he's not going to actively develop Peacemaker, like, season two. I have a hard time believing that he would not use Margot Robbie. I have a hard time believing that he won't use the Suicide Squad, but all of that stuff is so entrenched, like, with the Snyder stuff, that it's going to be hard to do that and have, like, a younger Superman and this and, like, like if you're going to relaunch this whole thing, then relaunch it, and unfortunately that means some of the things that worked go with the old universe. Yeah. And... But but again, I don't think that the actors are the problem, so I wouldn't be opposed to, like, oh no, like, here's this new Peacemaker season or something. They're in a terrible fucking position. This is the worst position I've ever seen any IP wind up in, where you're trying to relaunch it, and you had things that were actually good that you would like to save, but you know you shouldn't. And I, I, I really hope that he's paying attention to that. I said earlier that the only thing that I, what would be interesting, because I know in the comics, Harley Quinn sometimes has a little bit of the Deadpool thing. It's a little bit self-aware. So if you were going to save anything from the old universe, it would be Margot Robbie. And you'd go, well, 
She was a part of the Snyder verse as it was happening. She was a part of James Gunn's soft rebooted Snyder verse, that little section that he worked on. And now she's a part of this brand new DC universe. And it could lead to situations where she's like, Oh, you know, remember when the Joker had tattoos or whatever? And everyone's like, what? And she's like, yeah. And Superman broke that guy's neck. And they're like, confused and then she's like oh yeah maybe that wasn't you guys you know and it's like you can read that in that movie as oh she's crazy or that she's like sort of multiverse hopping through all of this you know and like that would be that works fine it pays homage to what came before it pokes a little fun at what came before is like oh that's why the snyderverse was so crazy and deranged is because it was actually the dc universe has seen through harley quinn's eyes right like that would be kind of cool um she might be the only thing that could carry over but that means that a lot of other things have to go and i don't think that there's when when they were talking about this broadly it was like we're gonna try to fix the things that that didn't work and we're gonna save the things that did and all of this stuff and i thought that it was like, oh, that's confirmation. And like people asked James Gunn on Twitter, like, oh, do you do you like Henry Cavill as Superman? And he's like, yes. I'm like, oh, good, good, good. You know, then this happens and it's like, now I'm starting to understand what the code was. And we discussed it when that initial tweet had come out, is that the stuff that worked, if that's just the stuff that James Gunn worked on, then this guy's a prick. Like 100% is a prick. That's not cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all that did, though. Like, he got... The, I don't think that that's you true. You have, like, the Snyder Cut, and then, you know, you got the Snyder-adjacent stuff. Like, you got Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Huh? Um, but, you know, at that point, it's like they've pushed Zack Snyder out. They're not working toward, like, another Justice League, and, like, they don't really know where they're going aside from scalping James, James Gunn from Marvel, you know? And they're yeah. like, all right, what does he want to do, you know? And uh, that, like, shift away from Snyder and all of his stuff. Uh, I don't know, it just felt like a... Like them doing their best to, like, not do a Justice League 2. Like, they're not yeah. building toward anything. They're not, like, going anywhere. It feels like the last bit of Marvel stuff. It's just like, okay, yeah. everyone's got, like, a bad guy, but we don't really know, like, what else is Spinning going on. Spinning their wheels. We promise it's something. Yeah. We just gotta figure it out. And it's like, you know, the, the stuff that, like, worked was, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Cause, yeah, I to me, the, the work. I mean, the, to me, the stuff that worked is largely involved. Like, look, I don't think any of the actors involved in all of this, like, turned in bad performances. They might have been in subpar movies, but that's out of their hands. And for me, Henry Cavill as Superman is a great pick. You could do great stuff with that. You know, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, you could do great stuff with. Like, I, what I would have liked 
is to see some carryover of the faces that I've enjoyed watching on screen with a new direction. That that would have felt better to me. And I understand he wants to do, like, he apparently wants to do a younger Superman, but man, if I'm not suspicious that that is just a way to be like, oh, well, Henry couldn't work because, you know, he's too old. Like, I'm fucking suspicious that this is a way to gracefully be like, fuck you, you're fired. You know what I mean? Like, this is a graceful way to, like, take Henry off the board and be like, well, he couldn't play... 19 year old Clark Kent like I, I that's how it feels to me it feels like a calculated decision and and it feels like a one that's steeped in kind of the old regime's tricks the old regime the way that they always used to be like well it's like everybody loves Henry Cavill as Superman but Man of Steel and Batman v Superman didn't you know sort of do the numbers maybe that you know the studio wanted and like james batman v superman maybe looking at that it's just like all right i gotta do something new there you know like he's looking at maybe like you know weak points and it's like it's not henry cavill but it's maybe henry cavill as superman or like Zack snyder superman so we're gonna get rid of like cavill affleck we can keep margot robbie I'm sure they're gonna figure something stupid out with Joker, uh, and uh, yeah, and yeah, that's why I feel like one. that's why I feel like you scrap everybody, you know, yeah. everybody, I mean, and you just say let's start over I'm, because I don't like the the only one that I would cherry pick is Margot Robbie. It's yeah. the only one. Yeah. She's really good in the part. She really enjoys the part, and it's clear that James Gunn has an affinity for her you know, wants her to be involved. So, I... And she has character precedent for... She's already done it once. She already made the leap. She went from Snyderverse to soft-rebooted Gunverse. Yeah. And she's the only character that actually stayed there because Boomerang, we saw what happened to him. All of this stuff is like... It feels like the... like. It's a it's a it's a weak move if Gunn goes the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker are the only things <laughs> that are gonna make this leap. It's really weird. And like Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. Okay. Well she was just in Black Adam. Which is apparently like, oh no no, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. So like we throw out Viola Davis, but Viola Davis was part of your thing. So like you ha- just throw everybody out. Get rid of everybody. Yeah. Just get rid of it all. It was fun while it lasted. No see, more Peacemaker. Curious to see how him and The Rock, how James Gunn and The Rock uh, mix. Not well. You know. Because The Rock is basically saying, like, no, Henry Cavill is Superman, and he's going, like, head to head. It's not going to work, because this isn't wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Like, James Gunn is the boss, yeah, you so you do like, what the boss actually, wants. You're fired. Yeah, that's literally what's happening right now. Uh, as far uh, what I understand, Black Adam turned a profit of like maybe fifty million dollars, and The Rock's like that's a huge success because the original Captain America only made three hundred and seventy million dollars. It's like the original Captain America came out in two thousand ten. Like it's a different fucking world than it was back then, 
And you kind of need to pull bigger numbers. Like, maybe you should have had a smaller budget. You know? Maybe nobody should have been like, oh, well, it's The Rock. Easy $500 million just on his name alone. Like, maybe people shouldn't do that. Maybe you have to be like, oh, well, you have to look at the at the position that you're in. The position that they're in with Black Adam is the DC Universe is flailing in its death throes. Like, you ever see the video... Of the of the of the hawk, I think it's a hawk ripping apart a crow on the ground. The crow is alive and is being eaten by a hawk, and it's horrible. Okay, but that like that that crow down there getting torn apart is the DC universe. You're not in a strong position, so don't spend another three hundred million dollars on producing and marketing a film. Don't do it because you're down and out. Spend the least amount of money you can and try to make as much money as you can off of a good story. But they don't have time for that. They have time for, well, we're going to pay a bunch of artists to come up with, like, big explosions. Da-da-da-da-da. Look, devil, this guy, and that. And I liked it. I liked it. I turned my brain off, I ate my popcorn, and I enjoyed it. And I'll probably watch it again. It's coming to HBO Max this week. I think tomorrow it's coming to HBO Max. Um, And I will watch it again, I'm sure. But the this the, 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 it's a huge misstep for them to be like oh this is going to be a surefire hit the rock you know dc movies oh we're going to henry cavill we're going to spoil that he's back as superman before the movie comes out to bump up ticket sales like they did all of this stuff in vain you know it's the same way as in like like batman v superman they budgeted it's like $400 million to make it. You have to double that to turn a profit. And they made like $800 million. It's like they broke even in that case. And it's like, you couldn't have made that for like 150 If you made it for 150 we'd be in a totally different environment. But you put all of this fucking money up front. And then when the audience doesn't turn out, there's you can either succeed or fail. There's nothing in between in that situation. There's nothing. So, if Black Adam doesn't turn the profit, failure. And it, it, it to me, it appears that it is it is failed. And but you know, it doesn't matter how salty Rock the Dwayne Johnson is about this whole thing. This is what happened. You know, it didn't work. And you know, you going up to management and being like, "What the fuck? I'm the Rock." I want my sequel. Henry Cavill, me, we're going to have a fist fight on screen. Everyone's going to go crazy. While James Gunn and Peter Safran are actively trying to build their own universe, it's not going to go over well. They're not going to want to hear it. I mean, and, like, you can't strong arm them into something. You don't have any leverage. The power dynamic of DC Universe, I guess, has changed. Or the power structure, I guess. <laughs> It is interesting, isn't it? Because that was what the whole marketing was and like the fact that Black Adam comes out almost like day and date with James Gunn and Peter Safran being announced as the new heads. So what a weird, right. what a little prophetic meta, little meta joke. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I wish I wish everyone had to do a hard reboot every fucking 10 years. This is no, not ten years. Every five years, like if you're not doing like choice movies or like a trilogy or just like some fun self-contained thing that's like director creator driven, 
Um, and you're trying to do like some big elaborate idea, some build to like Infinite Crisis or Crisis on Infinite Earths or whatever. You got yeah. five years to do it. Yep. You can put out and yeah, fifteen movies, ten movies, yeah. Yeah. and then everyone gets fired. <laughs> fucking restart everything yeah. and just you know get some new and interesting shit. Like this. That's is what you're ridiculous. supposed to do. That's the that's the way to do it. And the reason the reason that I know that that's what you're supposed to do is because of the fourth phase of Marvel. They told a story that had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that story ended. And ever since. It's been like, it's been that for like, it's been fucking years. It's been years of being like, what are they going to do? Like, what's going on? Like, who's Kang? You haven't built him up in any way that feels significant. Like, I don't feel anything about Kang. I'm excited for the actor, and I think there's great potential there. But in terms of making me feel like I'm still, like, like one graphic novel has ended. And now we're starting a new graphic novel. If this was the first, like, 50 pages of a new story arc, you would not finish the book. You'd be like, ah, no, 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 yeah, so no, like, it doesn't work. Yeah, are they trying to sell Kang? Or no, because I guess the next Avengers movie is, um, oh, what is the next Avengers movie called? I think it's called the Kang Dynasty, right? Is that the is that the next one or the one after it? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm yeah, because like maybe maybe this is like I, I'm I'm imagining they're trying to sell Kang as like their next Thanos, but maybe right. that's why they're introducing him in Ant Man so that it's like this is his second entry, and like the first one was on like a Disney Plus thing, so maybe not everybody has seen it, you know. Right, but yeah, this whole phase has been really weird. Be- I think exclusively because of all the Disney Plus stuff, and it's like, how do you <laughs> how do you fucking build a universe when you know some people don't want to like climb the fucking paywall to get to it? You know, yeah. I mean, how many fucking hours of fucking footage? I look, I watched Loki, and it was fine. Yeah, that was that was the bar that it reached was fine, and they they had a job to do, which was giving us our first you know glimpse and understanding of Kang, and sort of explaining more of what he is. I feel like a lot of people are reacting to Kang with like a lot of like oh my god, oh, oh here he comes, based on the fact that they've been told that oh this is the next bad guy, whereas I would like to watch the show and understand why he's so fucking dangerous. But I don't really have I don't have any clue what Kang is up to. I don't know what yeah. what's gonna happen, and and that is look was it when Thanos right the first time we saw Thanos was that it was post credits in Avengers right that was it right he wants something done right and he takes out the fucking gauntlet yeah yes yeah, yeah yeah right so no I think it was the turn over the shoulder right oh was it that yes one? yeah it was that one yes. So he does the turnover and he smiles, but here's the thing. That might have been, at that point... Yeah, yeah, I'm crazy. At, at that point, we already knew... We already saw what, what was up. Like, he enlisted Loki, he invaded Earth. Like, when you see Thanos at the end of that, you go, Ooh, this might be a problem. Because he doesn't seem deterred by this at all. He seems, like, mildly amused. It's like, okay, uh, not not great. Problems are coming. When I see Kang, I'm like, I'm excited. I like the actor. 
but I have no idea what's going on and there's no structure to, you know, like the infinity saga, that first phase of it, it was like every movie was dealing with, well, not every movie, Captain America, the first Avenger dealt with our first like real brush with an infinity stone, you know, but you're also setting up the characters yeah, in the world. So, like, right. So, like, you at least had something that it was like, ooh, like, that, they're basically talking about this like it's like the ultimate weapon or something. You feel like, ooh, I wonder what, I wonder how that's going to play in. You sort of had some idea of a trajectory. If you sat me down and you tried to, you put a gun to my head and you said, what's the first, what's the fourth phase of Marvel about? I, I would fucking get shot in the face. <laughs> like, I, I would not, I can't. I can't come up with anything. Yeah. Like, well, it's, uh, it's, it's got no direction, uh, really, except for, like, being like, all right, there's multiple parallel universes or there's sub universes. That's, that's the universes. I don't know. That's the most that I can come to. It's like, okay, well, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Well, like, imagine uh, you haven't seen anything on Disney Plus. It's what? Black Widow, Doctor Strange. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Black Panther Two, which doesn't deal Black with multiverse. Two, which doesn't touch with any touch on any of it. So Black Panther Two and Black Widow don't talk about multiverse at all. Yeah. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness does, and Spider is tied almost directly to Spider-Man No Way Home, which is almost like a prologue for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So that's. Is that it? I think Is that so. all the Phase 4 movies? I think so. Is okay, so that means that 50% of this was about the multiverse. And that 50%, they're like directly linked. You know? Like it feels like they're directly linked as one story. This is one. You know? That it, there's nothing that happened in those two has bled into what happened in Black Panther 2. Or what happened in Black Widow. Actually, Black Widow, wasn't that a prequel? It was, because oh, yeah. she was fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> so that isn't even part of Phase 4. Like, like to me, there's like, it's crazy. I don't I don't understand what they're doing. I don't know why they're totally doing it. forgot she was dead. Yes. Spoiler alert. But like, I don't understand what's going on over there. I don't understand what's going on at DC. I I am a man without a country. It's a great time to be an independent comic book maker and fan. I'm telling you, like, this is where, this is the downfall of that structure of, like, big blockbuster, big blockbuster, big blockbuster. Thank God. Is, like, this whole <laughs> thing is coming to an end, and in its place are going to be, you know, those weird movies that have been thriving on the, on the undercut. Like, now is the time for things like the menu to be seen way more. Like, more people should be going to see the menu right now. Go see it. Check it out. Like, that's where we need to go. We can't keep doing this. And we, we keep shelling out money out of morbid curiosity. And it feels like we probably should stop because this is, this is atrocious to watch. Yeah. Horrible. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh... It's almost as if, you know, it would cost less to, like, do stuff better. It would. 
you know. And like it would the, take a little bit of work, but yeah. I mean, Robert Robert McKee is a screenwriting teacher. And what he said was that story dies in spectacle. The idea being that the more zany visuals invade the cinema, the less story is actually being told. And it seems to be a pretty accurate predictor of when blockbusters are going to collapse. Is there's no story and there's zany visuals, but the story needs to be there. That's what people want. People don't care about a zany visual if there's no story. Yeah. Like those two things have to be kind of balanced out. That's been that's been movies for the last fifteen years, twenty Dude, years. You know, shit. Seriously, seriously. I mean, like you look at like Fast and the Furious. Look at the way that that franchise went. If you watch the first, fra- if you watch the first Fast and the Furious, it's actually a pretty involving down-to-earth, gritty, it's a good you know... street racing movie. Yes! Yes! It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Now! <laughs> now, like... I mean, there, is there not talk about... Or did it already happen? Fast and the Furious in space? Isn't that, like, something think, that's oh, been pitched? I think uh, some, there was something to do with the spaceship in the last one. Right. So, we've gone... Like, there is no story left. <laughs> there is no story. It's and it's just like Diesel saying family and going more crazy on like car stunts. I mean, the the best stuff is the stuff that they spend very little money on. Like I just I, I was watching uh uh I was watching Saw and it's like they didn't spend any fucking money on Saw. They shot that thing for like three hundred dollars. And it is so good. It's so like inventive it's so well executed. It's yeah. well performed. I actually had a realization when I was watching it, and it was that I, I, I'm starting to question whether or not the characters of Walter White and Jesse Pinkman were based on Dr. Gordon and the photographer. <laughs> because, like, if you look at their interactions and stuff, like, it's you could picture very easily that this is Walter White and Jesse. <laughs> like, it's so easy. <laughs> um... Mr. White, what are we doing down here, you bitch? <laughs> he doesn't want you to cut through the chain, Jesse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you can see, like, all the... <laughs> I was thinking about, like, the like like uh, John at the end of the movie when he gets up and you realize that, like, the dead guy is alive, that it's, like, Mike Ehrmantraut, yeah. you know? <laughs> Game over! <laughs> you know, like... That would be awesome. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, I mean, Danny Glover could be Juan Carlo Esposito. You know what I mean? Like, you just swap out all those characters. It, it would work. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just... It, there is something to be said about, like, if you spend less money, you have less to lose, which means you can go further with an idea. You know what I mean? You won't have a bunch of people being like, look, I'm trying to make my fucking money back. You can't have, you know, something controversial. Like, I I, I like those, I mean, Saw... We can't have Kumar pull his face off? What? No. <laughs> Saw, Smile, Joker, you know what I mean? Logan. Logan. I feel like Logan is another one that did like some big swings. It yeah. was like, we're gonna, we're gonna kill him. How much, you know what how I mean? much did Blade cost, I wonder? I mean, it Blade cost nothing, Expensive bro. for the time, maybe, but, like, I feel like they're spending the most money on 
blood, you know, like just fake blood. <laughs> just copious amounts of blood. And Wesley Snipes. And like just getting Wesley Snipes in the door. That's a that's a big thing. Yeah, Wesley Snipes. But it's probably most of that budget. But that movie they, feels like nothing, you know? Yeah. Uh forty five million dollars. <sighs> very different time. Yeah. You know, the dollar stretched further. Yeah. But it uh it made a hundred and thirty one point two so if you're doing the classic movie math, that made $40 million in profit. Um, and at that time, that's very good. Yeah. Um, the other one I like to look at, too, was X-Men. Yeah. Because that was just a couple years later, and that one was, like, the first... Like, that was the first blood in the water that, like, studios were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? how much money? Did X-Men come how out much before Spider-Man? Yes. Dang. Actually, the day that it was announced, <laughs> this is a fun little thing. There's actually a blooper from the set of X Men, is when they're walking through the Statue of Liberty set, um, like in the museum part of it, and they all come around the corner, and then behind them, it was the day that they announced that Spider Man was greenlit. Behind them, some guy in a Spider Man costume comes running out behind them and like brushes past them, and they all started laughing. And Spider Man was like, "Oh, sorry, wrong set," and took off. Like it's just this little tiny blooper, but nice. pretty funny. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't need to see the entire... I need to see the first... It brought me to all of the uh, X-Men movies. Mm. Like, I'm looking for the 2000 X-Men. Um, a budget of $75 million returned almost $300 million. So that was the first time that they were like, okay. Comic books, eh? Yeah. Um, and worth noting that Spider-Man was greenlit before that. So they didn't know that X-Men was going to be a surefire hit. Yeah. Spider-Man was the first one where people were like, okay, what other characters do you have? Um, that was the first one where it was like uh, a complete stunning uh, off of a $139 million budget, it made $825 million. Like, Spider-Man? Yeah, it was a Damn. fucking bonanza. So much fucking cash got raked in off of that movie. Um, God damn. That is that is crazy. Well, here's the thing that separates X-Men and Spider-Man is 9-11. Which, if you think about things broadly, in uncertain times, people lean on their heroes. Oh, yeah. So, it's no surprise that ever since 9-11, superhero <laughs> movies have been so popular. Because everything sucks and you're gonna die. Like, it's yeah. like, this is, like, you need heroes. So... What I'm saying is all of the turmoil in our society is 100% orchestrated by Disney. <laughs> Pretty That's much. my point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, we're, we're at a turning point where, you know, there needs to be big changes in both places. Unfortunately for James Gunn and Peter Safran, they're in a situation at DC where... They're about to make big changes. We've all been, like, DC's directionless and, like, nothing ties together and, like, where are they going with this? And now it's like, we're finally getting some direction. There's somebody at the helm of the ship, and that feels great. Uh, however, at this point, I don't care anymore. I'm so burnt out, 
And I'm so tired of like, oh, you're going to get this. Oh, just kidding. Oh, you're going to get this. Oh, just kidding. I'm so tired of the back and forth thing. And this Henry Cavill thing is like the cherry on top of that whole thing. It's like one last time to get fucked by the DCEU. <laughs> It's like one last parting <laughs> kick in the fucking balls. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's really it's, pretty funny. It's Yeah, it's a laugh riot. Uh, I'm just like totally stunned at how like tone deaf this whole thing feels. Um, one last thing that I want to see uh, say on DC movies is that James Gunn also revealed... Um, that he has met with Ben Affleck about directing a DC movie. And his words were, we want Ben to direct one, he wants to direct one. So that seems to be inevitable. And if that's the quality of director that James Gunn is aiming to bring into the DC film universe, maybe I'm a little bit more hopeful. If he's like, I'm trying to get Oscar-winning screenwriter and director Ben Affleck to make a DC movie, maybe I give him a little bit more leeway. That doesn't feel like a money-based decision where you're like, we're going to get the guy that did The Fast and the Furious to do, you know, like, we're going to get Michael Bay to do, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to get, like, these, bi these big, like, blockbuster people to come in and do DC movies. This is like, we're going to get almost like art house independent filmmaker Ben Affleck to come in and do a DC movie, you know? Yeah. I say that based on like the credibility of something like Gone Baby Gone or Goodwill Hunting. His early career is filled with those and post that you start giving him a budget, you still get things like The Town, you still get things like Argo, which won best picture. Like this is uh, best picture or best director? A little bit fuzzy. Might be wrong, but yeah, but I, it's I like the Academy. I do when they're right. I mean, Argo's pretty good, <laughs> and Goodwill Hunting definitely deserved the Oscar for that. And like, that's right out of the gate. You know, right out of the gate, Ben Affleck turns in a script, and everybody goes, "Oh, well, that's because Matt Damon co-wrote it and everything." And I'm like, "How many movies have Matt Damon written?" Does he have any uncles at the Academy? <laughs> <laughs> I think every one of them is an uncle. I'm ben sure. Affleck. Yeah. I mean, my my thing is that you know you look at the track record, you see these like kind of thoughtful drama films, you know, and you go. It, 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 to me, I go, yeah, yes, please. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent a different direction. Um, yeah. But what would be really funny is if he was like, I'm doing one, and it's going to be Deathstroke. And guess who he's fighting? Batman. <laughs> yeah. And guess who's playing Batman? It's me. me. <laughs> and guess who's producing it? Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I... <laughs> You know, I mean, I would, I, at this point, like, I, I, it's the one little glimmer of, like, current news that made me go, ooh, that's yeah. neat, you know? And I mean, if that's the, is that, if that's the caliber of director James Gunn is going after for this, that's great. That's really good news. Yeah, I just um, hope he doesn't pull a Feige and try to, like, I mean, I know he's doing a fucking big universe that's spanning everything, but it's just like, okay, you're spanning everything, but that means you're just gonna, like, leave everybody alone, right? 
I hope so. <laughs> Just give them broad kind of like, here's where I'm trying to go. Are you on board with that? Yeah. Yes. And then let them craft the smaller moments that make up what that character is. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of like, there's too much oversight at Marvel. And I think they're relying too much on like one guy's say so right now. Um, but yeah, I, I guess there's two pieces of news out of DC that have me excited. It's a, the Ben Affleck thing is interesting to me. And then the other thing is that the top priorities for James Gunn are Superman and Green Lantern. That those are the those are the things at the pin, at the tippity top of what he's trying to get set up, because that means whatever he's planning is cosmic in scope. You know uh, that yeah. that seems to be the direction, and James Gunn and Cosmic go together like peanut butter and chocolate. It's a good pairing. Um. So yeah, I don't know. And now the only thing left to ask is like, who's Sean Gunn gonna play? Uh, who's Michael Rooker gonna play? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's the only thing left. Um, exactly. Yeah, but anyways, there's a there's a lot of a lot of movie stuff to talk about this week. Yeah, just crazy. Yeah. Um, hopefully, it crashes and burns. Hopefully, all of it does. <laughs> I really hope it doesn't, but that's okay. <laughs> I want it to be good. I want to believe. I, I just want some bad shit. I just want like people to like be allowed to make some like dumb, goofy bad shit, you know? And I think the only way that's ever going to happen is if uh, DC goes back to the... Marvel and DC both go back to the days of being like, please save us from bankruptcy by like maybe making one of our characters into a movie and giving us a little kickback should go the other way now like please save us from bankruptcy by making one of our characters matter again in a comic book hopefully it goes the other direction <laughs> well yeah. that, i think i think that's the uh the kind of logical next step with these things become becoming more and more meaningless in the movies like people will <laughs> hopefully go into comics looking for something to sink their teeth into and that would be beautiful be disappointed until they find our stuff but we'll see. of course of course well, we have an opportunity right now to capitalize on a dying market you know <laughs> it's like we're going to open up a video store rental <laughs> service like <laughs> but hey we can you know i think that we can i, I think that we can turn this Exactly. I think we're going to use everyone else's misery and disappointment to our advantage like good capitalists. That's right. Our own included. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you say? You want to just jump to commercial and then come back and talk about uh, a Serbian film? <laughs> Swedish. Finnish? Russian. Sorry. Sure. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> Mr. Alves, would you like to refresh everyone's memory as to what it is we're going to be talking about today? Even though I didn't ask that question earlier and I'm going to fix it in post. Yeah, you did. Did I? Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm going to fix in post? I didn't tell anybody when this started. Um, That's what it was. I was going to say, hey, if you want to skip the off topic, get it. but I was so distraught not over Henry Cavill. You're not allowed to skip I, this off topic. No, you have to. You this gotta, is required listening. You got to get through it. No. It's the only yeah. way you, so, your presence is here. Anyways, yes, remind 
refresh everyone's memories as to <laughs> what we're talking about this week. Uh, we're talking about rare exports. Yes, on the rare little holiday ditty. Yes, I uh, saw this movie a long time ago, and I really liked it. And when I watch it, I seldom remember the second half of the movie. I mostly remember the setup. And then I get to the second half of the movie, and that's what I remembered last week, when I was like, I remembered other things about this. And I think you're going to like it. Um, So yeah, it was a a fun rewatch. Ryan, what did you think of Rare Exports, seeing you have not seen it before? Uh, I dug it. Right? It was a lot of fun. A lot of, it was like a really... Good, uh, good angle on all the Christmas stuff, and like considering kind of what I'm about to do, this was like really nice to see. You know, yeah, it's just like, oh yeah. man, these guys. Yeah, I don't know. They're like they're answering a lot of big questions in like a fun way, and uh, yeah, still like having like a fun, weird kind of monster movie along the way. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I as I was watching it, I was like, uh-oh, they're not going to release the Santa from the ice, which maybe that would take away from your enjoyment a little, because we've talked about this a couple times, like recently, where it's like they set up, the you know, it's like it's the, the, the Alfred like, Hitchcock, no. like, we show a gun in the first act, it has to go off in the third act, and this one, like, builds up to the reveal that, like, oh my god, he's trapped in ice and they have all these heaters and all of these bad kids in bags <laughs> laying around for him to presumably, like, eat or torture when yep. he breaks out of this ice. And, like, I was thinking to myself, like, holy shit, they, they don't do it. I was like, I know that they don't do it. And I was like, uh-oh, that's, that's not great. Because that's something we always want. Yeah. But also, this movie really builds up a good atmosphere. And it, like... I think it actually doesn't necessarily need it. It would have been cool as hell, but I also don't think that it's like a crucial thing. It didn't feel like it was lopsided or didn't have a climax, especially with the resolution of what happens with, you know, I mean, initially we think the old guy is Santa and that's kind of like how they lead you into it. And then the Indiana Jones style villain (laughs) that's been trying to dig up Santa this whole time. Uh, shows up and realizes, it's like, no, that's not Santa. Those are his helpers, you know? And immediately, as soon as he gives that piece of information, it's the only reason this guy is in the script. Yeah. As soon as he gives that piece of information, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I wish... Um, uh, yeah, there, the one bit I did, I was kind of remiss about, was, um, like, he had, like, the horns attached to the cable or whatever, and I was hoping that would be, like, maybe a prosthetic head. And they were just like... Yeah you know, maybe all chewed up or something like that, and maybe one of them's, like, missing a couple fingers, but, like, just some communication of, like, oh, shit, we thought it's head, and we cut it we cut it off. But the thing, like, bit some of us, or, like, you know, there's some... Yeah. Some... Something happened. <laughs> I was wishing something would have happened between them sort of, like, thawing him out and blowing him up. Or, like, thawing yeah. him, and, and him out enough to get his horns and blowing him up. But, uh, yeah. small, small qualm, but, uh, yeah. liked all the naked Santas being the helpers, uh, that was pretty crazy. hilarious, <laughs> just like a bunch yeah. of like naked old dudes is, 
perpetually hilarious. Uh, it was making me think of Hereditary, the climax of Hereditary, when all like the cult members show oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking about when I was watching this. It's like, the, did they like, fucking the, steal the that for rare exports? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was like the the build is really nice. They, I like the way they kind of like, you know, reserve uh, showing showing you Santa or like showing you anything else. And um, I did like that. You know, there was that glimpse of uh, presumably Krampus. I guess is Santa like in yeah. the big horns in the ice. Like I thought that was right. really cool. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I was, I was hoping for something with that, but otherwise it's like, it's like a really fun, really schlocky, you know, just kind of like B movie Christmas story. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's a super good time. Yeah. It had, it has like a vibe to it that feels a little bit like the old Spielberg type movies. It reminds me a little bit of like Jaws <laughs> yeah. where it's like, there's something going on in this small community and it's like. There's some mystery to it, and I like the. <clears throat> There's stuff in here that just feels like very matter of fact, you know, and like, is kind of like pushing buttons a little bit yeah. in weird ways. Like I, I think like watching the guy like slaughtering the pig while he's talking to his son, the way that that's shown <laughs> is just so, it's just so in your face and like it's kind of garish and grotesque. But they kind of, like, just brush over it really quick, you know? Yeah. They just let it be kind of uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I like some of that stuff. But I really like the build-up towards where we're going. I like the way that it's... Uh, it's really well seen. It's really well put together. And it's bit by bit, moment by moment that this thing keeps growing, yeah. you know? I got a kick out of the gingerbread cookie. Like, this old guy <laughs> lying there is, like, seemingly almost, like, dead. Like, a dead body. And, like, he's eating the the gingerbread cookie, and, like, he's sniffing and, like, coming to because of the gingerbread cookie. Like, there's a lot of, like, just really fun shit like that in this, you know? Yeah, yeah well, they're, uh... <laughs> Yeah, they're they're definitely like playing within the Santa lore, you know, but yeah. maybe like digging a little deeper, you know, or like going a little like older with their uh, mythology or something. Yeah, it's interesting. Like where it ends up is strange. This is you you're watching along, and it kind of wraps up to a conclusion that seems. Like, it it wraps up to a conclusion that makes sense, and then it takes this weird left where it starts to be, like, a little bit, like, it makes a little bit less sense. And it, like, just, it doesn't really build on it. It just sort of is like, hey, guess what? We've captured all of Santa's little helpers, and now we've become a Santa's little helper company? And, like, you order a Santa, and we send one to you? And in the meantime, they're, like, locked up in, like, like on a farm or, like, in a kennel or in, like, a ranch. Well, and it's like, like, what is going on Santas, here? You know? Right? Because they yeah, got, like, I, the kid on the lap and, you know, he's, like, smiling and they're, like, 
you don't get any presents. Like, you give them away. You, like, smile. You give the kid a present. That's it. Yeah. You know. You know what? That would be actually... I kind of wish that they had gone all the way with that. Because that would have been an interesting thing to be like, every mall Santa <laughs> is one of these guys. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, right? If if they had gone all the way and shown, like, you know, the people at the mall opening the box <laughs> and, like, pulling out this guy, you know, and, like, bringing him out and sitting... Like, I would have been like, that's really cool. Yeah, right. As it stands, I mean, I think that that's the implication... You know, it, it but does, I would have enjoyed seeing it. It does remain a little, like, ambiguous, because it's just like, yeah. are they eating these Santas? Are these Santas magic? Like, what what are these Santas doing, except for having, like, kids put on their lap? Like, the, yeah, the, like, the business end is, like, definitely, yeah, it could be anything, really. Well, it takes this weird turn where, you know... <laughs> I'm trying to be, like, cautious here. But, to me, it feels like it takes a weird turn where you go from these people are doing things that are totally reasonable. There is something afoot. There is a problem. Oh my god, Santa's real. Are we in danger? All this stuff. And they follow it through to the end. And they set up earlier in the movie that they lost a bunch of money because their cattle was presumably eaten by Santa's little helpers. You know, like, they set all that up, and you understand that there's, like, financial problems, right? But, like, the way that they corral all of these Santas into this area, and then they start talking about them like they're, like, they talk about them the way that they were talking about the livestock... You know, and they talk about them like the way they were talking about in terms of money. And then they create this company that like they they go from being like normal, sympathetic people to taking this really hard left at the end of the movie where it's like, no, these are human traffickers. You know what I mean? Like maybe they're 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 slightly, uh, you know, they're more than human. Yeah, you know Santa's little helpers, but it still has this vibe of like, what what are they doing, and what are they trying to say with that, and like, I I don't it it opens up a can of worms right in the last like ten minutes that I'm like, what is going on here, what is this? Well, they're they're Santa now, or something. I don't know. <clears throat> right, they've like they've privatized being Santa. <laughs> <laughs> We've killed trying to figure out a way to make a buck Santa off of Claus it. and then started a business selling his helpers for yeah money. Wow. Yeah. They they've just turned it into a capitalist Christmas instead of uh old school Christmas. Yeah. There's no punishment for anybody. We've done away with that. Everyone gets a present if you buy one from me. <laughs> I mean it's it's a bizarre bizarre movie, you know. Yeah, it's definitely definitely weird. Um but I mean I think I give it like a wide a wide berth cuz it feels like a like a pretty low budget movie, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I don't think they uh 
I, 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 you know, it feels like a low budget movie. It's really well shot. It's pretty well seen. Um, and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a fun kind of like alternate take on all of that. Um, all the things we know about Santa. Yeah. Um, I guess there's a sequel to it. <laughs> Really? Uh, yeah, it's called Rare Exports, The Official Safety Instructions. Uh, hmm. <laughs> which I have a funny feeling is probably not so good. Um, let's, let's see what it... Hang on. I mean... Exports. Good is a sliding scale, you know. Time is a flat circle. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. <clears throat> wow! Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. What is this? Three and a half? Three and a half stars? Four stars? I don't know. Maybe it's better than we thought. I don't know if I'll watch it. I might. Who knows? But yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a really It's just a really solid odd strange little movie. Feels like there's not all that much to it. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy to digest. It's has a lot of fun little surprises throughout and it just kind of functions really cleanly. Yeah. It's not a lot that I would change really. Like I can't really think of anything that I would criticize terribly. Yeah, outside of, you know, the money shot. That's it. Yeah. Or like some allusion to some kind of money shot or something, you know. Um there's so much that you can do with like good puppets, yeah. like miniature work. It's like if that... you if you start at your climax and work backwards, you know, it's like okay, <coughs> what do we need for like maybe a big payoff? Like we have the story written, we got everything like sequenced out. Like where where should we put the most money? And it's like a Krampus head. Yeah, you poke a little practical out of the front of that giant ice cube. Yep. This shit looks immediately like a hundred percent more realistic, and like, yeah. and then you can pop it in the car, and you can slap it around, you know, set it on yeah. fire. Uh, I mean, even something on the level of like a Hen and Lauder basket case type, yeah, puppet exactly. would be appropriate in this sort of movie, Ex- you know? especially even like, <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, yeah. But, yeah, no, they do a good job of, like, communicating that, you know, they're poor and uh, struggling and farmers, you know, like. I I got a kick out of the, the, the battle gear that the kid is, like, devising. He's like, tape this to your butt, you know, like, to stop Santa from, like, whipping your ass. Um, like, a lot of that stuff is just, like, really funny and like strange yeah it's a really strange movie but i think it's a like i think it speaks to like a european sensibility in some ways like it it does feel 
odd kind of like I don't know it feels awkward and strange for for me sometimes when watching it I'm like what is going on you know but I, I I did think it was funny him like putting on the helmet and you know taping the cardboard to him and I, I was surprised they have this bully character that is you know the son of the other guy the other father that's involved in all of this and uh <clears throat> you know they essentially have snuck into russia you know to see what's going on at this site and they've cut the fence to get there and that's sort of what allows santo's little helpers to get through and eat their cattle or whatever right and uh this character sort of um He's kind of, uh, he's, he's a kid too, you know, he's pretty young, so he's not like a super mean bully, but he certainly is like at least some form of like, of, of some form of a villain to the little boy. Yeah. He's like a cool older teenager or something like that. Yeah. Like a, like yeah, a babysitter or something. Has a cigarette in his mouth. He's asking for a light when the dad shows up and everything. Like, um, But there's a moment in that scene where I think the little boy has like his all of the gear on. And he says, like, how do I look? And I was expecting that kid to, like, kind of seize on that and, like, say something, like, really inflammatory about it. And he just kind of lets it go. It's like, you look weird. And I was like, I would have I gone way further with that. Like, <laughs> like, you look like an asshole. Like, something. Something. That would have, like, been a little bit harder in that scene. Because I think it would have been a great comedic moment. But it kind of, like... They brush right past it. I was like, you had a perfect setup. This kid has du- like, he has cardboard duct tape to his ass, and he's wearing a helmet. He has like football shoulder pads on. And he asks you how he looks. Like, you look like an idiot. You look like a fucking moron. Like, easy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a hard time kind of like critiquing this one just because it's like, oh yeah, you know, like a, a bad movie done well. You know, yes, and it's just like, yeah, I don't know. My brain has a hard time, like, I don't know, picking it apart because it's just like, oh, yeah, this guy just did it, like, he went for it, you know. And, like, you know, I wasn't ever really like amazed while I was watching it or anything, but it's like a perfectly serviceable movie, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just like, uh. It's a fun little thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's a very novel concept. Um it's unlike a lot of other things that especially at that time were being put out there. Um it's a fun divergence from like the list of Christmas movies you're gonna watch every year. Yeah. Like when you sit down and you're like, oh, I guess I'll watch Home Alone again. Or it's the same way I feel about Bad Santa. When I watch Bad Santa, it's like, this is really fun because it is so, it's a Christmas movie wrapped up in like an anti-Christmas movie, you know? And it's like, it's not like feel good and peace on earth. It's like, Willie is a fucking 
scumbag of the highest mm-hmm. order that is gross and he's like sexist and he's rude and he's all these different things and through the course of that movie and through the course of him still being a a debaucherous asshole like finds the Christmas spirit ultimately like during the heist winds up asking his partner like do you really need all of this stuff I mean what the hell what's wrong with you people you know and he turns a corner and he realizes that, like, this is horrible. Like, why... Like, when is enough enough? And he makes the decision to, like, grab the pink elephant that the little boy wants. And he's like, come hell or high water, I'm getting that kid his Christmas present. So he, like, finds the Christmas spirit in all of that. And it's, like, it's kind of cool. It's a cool... And it's a nice divergence from kind of the plain old Christmas movies. That's kind of the same way that Rare Exports feels. Where it's like some like genuinely creepy imagery in here. There's some things that are like it's strange. It's sometimes funny. But it's definitely like pushing different buttons than a lot of other Christmas fair. And it's it's a good feeling, you know. Yeah, I think Batman Returns is my Christmas movie. Yeah? That's the one. Yeah. It's just like, Snowy, it's Christmas, it's Batman. Well. Batman at Christmas time is special. It's a sacred vibe. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. So I felt the same way when uh, Lieber Mayho put out Noel. It's like, oh man, if you put Batman and a holiday together, usually some like special stuff starts happening. Yeah. You know? I think Batman Christmas, Batman Halloween are like the top two. And after that, Batman Flag Day is uh, particularly enthralling. For some reason. It's because he's an imperialist. Imperialist. That's right. Yeah. It's like. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that could be. That That actually could be. Batman Flag Day, Batman Father's Day, <laughs> Batman Mother's Day. Hilarious. Um, yeah. Now, I, uh... Yeah. I mean, very seldom do we ever do this show, and it's like... We gas out pretty quickly on a movie. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's good. But there's, like, I don't know. I didn't mind much from it personally no it's pretty it's pretty well it's just well put together i mean it doesn't really lend itself to harsh critique and i mean this has happened before i can't swear to which which movies have stood out in that way but there there has been one other one i think it was when i was just doing the show with john and we got into the episode and like quickly realized that like oh I, we actually don't have all that much to say about this we just like it yeah. and there's really some there's something to do with it being i don't think i mean if you were going to put a critique i would say that it's not layered right because if it was layered we'd be digging into all of these like subtext and stuff everything is pretty much plainly presented yeah but it's plainly presented well yeah and it's entertaining to watch. So it's like, I can't really say, like, oh, well, I wish that there was more going on with it, because it doesn't really need it. 
it fully functions as just what it is without any, you know, need for fluff. And I think that that is rare. It's rare that you have something that's that clean. This is definitely just, it's just a pretty smooth story. Yeah. It, it doesn't really lend itself to this type of a discussion, which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's good. There's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's no real big like big moments for me or anything. Um. <clears throat> and the biggest moment for me is just the realization that it's like, that's not Santa. Yeah. And you're like, what do you mean that's not Santa? Looks just and once like you realize it. that it's Santa's little helpers, and you realize that like there's a bunch of them naked in the woods with like pickaxes you know what I mean like like there that's a that's memorable it's probably my favorite little snippet of anything from the movie yeah and I like the visual of them melting down you know this like Krampus and them having all like those heaters that were getting I think they're getting stolen yeah you know they're going missing throughout the town and everything and you realize all those Santa's little helpers bringing them that they could do that like oh you know like that way that that unfolds is really cool and has that spielberg element to it and i think that i think the story is not layered and i think in some ways the characters aren't layered and i think that with both of those things absent it does make it difficult to talk about yeah. But while you're watching the movie, it doesn't bother you either. Yeah. I mean, the the kid's like a good protagonist. Everyone around him doesn't believe him. You know, you're... Which is great. You're... Yeah. You're in a position watching it that, you know, affords at least mild curiosity moment to moment. So, you know, getting from the beginning to the end isn't, isn't too tough. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's just a... It's like a good, good, bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. Probably one of, like, the top tier, you know, kind of, like, as far as bad concepts go or something, this is, like, really well executed. Like, it it doesn't feel, it's like, did you see the trailer for the Grinch horror movie? No. Oh, well, boy, do I have a story for you. Um, it's the Grinch is like a serial killer or like an axe murderer or something. It's atrocious. It's basically using like the Halloween motif where it's like 20 years ago, this guy did something crazy. He fucking stole Christmas. And like Cindy Lou, who was like, I remember that night. And like, apparently the Grinch killed her mother in front of her. And like Cindy Lou, who was like, I've been preparing my entire life for if that guy ever came back. You know what I mean? See, and that's I'm what they're doing for that than I am for the new Halloween. <laughs> yeah in concept yes in execution it's like oh jesus christ looks like it was shot on like a fucking like it looks like it was shot on like a flip phone <laughs> like being generous like it looks you're awful you're just selling it to me right now <laughs> all right we're gonna, we're gonna watch, watch the trailer <laughs> let's watch the trailer we'll see what else thinks after this because it is just whew, my god I I was like I went into the trailer being like okay yeah yeah I could I could get behind this and then I started watching it and I was like my god this is uh bad news 
Uh, hang on one second. I think I have to add this into the Zoom afterwards. I think the way that the audio is set up, I have to remember to add the audio from the mean one trailer. The uh, mean one. The mean one. Nice. All right. Uh, let me make sure. Let me just. Can you. Will you be able to hear? Can you hear this? Remember that story okay, cool. about Cindy you know who? When her Christmas was stolen, she knew what to do. Why, Santa Claus? Why? But what if I said that's not how it went down? Because <laughs> we can turn around right now. No. Poor girl. Your mother was killed in mind snake. <laughs> Did you ever find the Christmas killer? Never got a reliable description of the man. Dad? Dad! He is out there. What if the Christmas killer is back? This town cannot go through another Christmas killer thing. Not again. Us folks down in Newville, we liked Christmas a lot. But that man that lives just north of Newville does not. What is it? The mean one. He's slippery. He's elusive. He's a mean one, that mister. I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Time to roast this beast. <laughs> You're a dead one, mister. The mean one. I mean... Yeah. I... I want to hate it more. (laughs) It's just like... I will admit, my second time through it, I did find it a little bit more entertaining, but part of that might have been your reaction to it. So. It's just like, it's like a Grinch <laughs> creepypasta or whatever. It's like those yeah. drawings of like, you know, somebody drawing the Grinch, <laughs> but with like big square teeth and he's looking all spooky and stuff. And it's just, somebody's like, but what if we turn that into a movie? And he was like a killer. And it's like, that is so dumb and like so <laughs> poorly executed yeah. that like... It could be funny. Like, that would be, like, a Christmas movie. And it's, like, every time they make a reference to the Grinch without saying the Grinch or, like, something in the book, like, you take a shot. <laughs> and within the first 20 minutes, exactly. you're dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, that movie seems, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. That one has, like, a uh, higher entertainment value, I think, uh, for me than... Uh, than even say like rare exports does just because of like how dumb it is you know and it's like just dumb yeah i mean like rare exports is a competently put together movie that has a silly concept and that is a silly movie like that's a silly concept that seems like it's executed maybe a little bit less well and that almost is more fun to watch as a viewer watching things that are are a little bit haphazard. Yeah. Um, it's kind of fun. I am a little bit pissed off that it's not, uh, Taylor Momsen coming back from Jim Carrey's the Grinch. That would be awesome. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I feel like that would be really cool. Um, and the fact that it's not her is upsetting. Um, yeah. Well, once that does well, or once a movie like that makes it to the mainstream in probably another five years or next year, um, it'll be <laughs> it'll be that lady. Yeah. I mean, and uh, also, fun fact, underneath that Grinch makeup is the guy that plays the Terrifier clown. Uh, so that's another thing that's kind of zany that's and cool. completely wild. Have you seen Terrifier? I've not watched it. I have not seen Terrifier, and I have not seen Terrifier 2, which people say is the most... It's a fucking crazy fucking shit. It's supposed to be, yeah, like, really gory. And the first one's that's really what gory, but it's just like... I don't know. I, I, I really didn't like it. I don't know why. It, but it was just like... Ooh, uh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just felt Did you see too pointed at just, me. Just the first one. Just the first one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I've... I felt a little bit like uh, it was... an attempt at like some type of modern slasher thing... But it felt like just an attempt to me. Like, everything that I saw, I was like, well, this is just somebody doing, like, Scary Clown. And I really had no interest in it because it felt like such low-hanging fruit. And, I mean, even with, like, what I've heard about the Terrifier 2, I'm like... Terrifier 2, I've That also seems, like, low-hanging. And it's, like... It's also low-hanging fruit. Exactly. There's nothing To put something out that it's just gory 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 for the sake of being gory and it's a black and white clown being spooky like come yeah. on come on nah. guys yeah no I mean it seems uh I don't know it is it's just low hanging fruit that's all it is yeah yeah I mean like watch the first one but yeah I came out of it just being like wow like the scares were mid like the effects were great, but you know it's leaning on um, on the gore and just like people being there just for the gore, you know. And on horror movie or horror trope language, yeah, like oh, clowns are scary. And instead of doing like where it gets interesting, and I mean, part of the debate about Bill Skarsgård and Andy Muschietti's it is Pennywise looks scary. Just at baseline, looks a little strange. And some people actually prefer the Tim Curry one. I do. Because at baseline, he looks kind of like a regular clown. So it's a little bit more of a shock when all of a sudden he has pointed teeth and, you know, his eyes are fucking yellow and shit. It's a little bit more... It's actually scarier that way. And that's sort of the thing with the Terrifier clown is, like, they went out of their way to make the creepiest-ass clown they possibly could. And in that pursuit, you actually wind up being, like, a parody of itself. Like, I think if they had done something that's that gory with a clown that looked sweet and innocent, it would have been better. It's like that dissonance, that disconnect creates tension, you know? It's sort of like, I mean, it comes up a lot with clowns in various media, but, like, people do that with the Joker, too. Some people that prefer Jack Nicholson's Joker to something like Heath Ledger's Joker because he's 
seemingly clean, you know what I mean? And like seemingly, uh, fun, goofy. And then he can do horrific shit with the Joker. I don't care, yeah. you know, yeah. but I definitely think in like a horror setting, uh, well, it's you want contrast. silly. You know, you need, you yeah. need contrast. And, and I mean, uh, you can, you can go wrong with the Joker too and do like as far as scary clowns go, because I think that's what the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo thing was. Whereas like, let's mix the Joker and Leatherface, And it's like, for why? Yeah. You know, yeah, like exactly odd. Um, but yeah, that's something we can cover later when we watch terrifier, I guess, and terrifier too. Yeah. I guess we'll put that on the list. And then we can watch, uh, was it clown? You watched? Have you seen that about the like? Clown is that the suit? one where the, the, Peter Stormare is like the clown demonologist guy? I think so. And he's like the dad and he's that like, finds a clown he's... demon suit that like sticks to him and turns him into a monster. Yeah, dude, it fucking he's rocks. Would like, <laughs> Peter Stormare delivering with like the utmost uh, like graveness? He's like. What you found wasn't a clown costume. Yeah. It was the skin of a demon. Yeah. <laughs> like that moment just sticks with me forever. <laughs> Peter Stormare is like the guy. That's the guy that you need in this type of stuff. Yeah, and even yeah. like even watching like rare exports, like you cannot deny that if like Peter Stormare played the initial Santa's little helper, it would have pushed that movie way over the top. Yeah. You know. Just add Peter Stormare. hundred uh, percent. Yeah, but yeah, man, I had a lot of fun rewatching it. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, um, I think next week we should probably talk about what are we gonna do? We're gonna do Fat Man or Violent Night. Let's do Fat Man first. I think that sounds good. Is it the Mel Gibson one or the yeah the new one? Okay, yeah. So it'll be the Mel Gibson one, and we should see Violent Night as soon as possible. We'll try to do two next week. Is Violent just get Night them off the dock. The new one with David Harbour. Yeah, David Harbour. Is that yeah, out on Santa. anything, or is that just a theater thing? I will do some research. I'm pretty sure I'm going to buy uh, Fat Man on Voodoo. So we can watch that. And Violent Night. It might just be in the theater, but I will do some checking. Cool. I'll find out for sure. Um, but yeah, anyways, kind of a quick topic this week, but it's a pretty good movie. Not a lot to really complain about. Yeah. Not a lot to pick apart. Check Not a lot out. of subtext needed. Check out yeah, the mean good. one when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly already out. Oh, shit. December 9th. It was supposed to come to theaters, apparently, which... It's, there's no fucking what? way that that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's no fucking way. I, I mean, they might movies? be saying... No way. They might be saying it's coming to a theater not near you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's one theater in the middle of nowhere. No okay, so in, in Bellingham, Massachusetts, right now, which I've never even heard of, uh, they have a showtime at the actually. Regal. What's that? That's, that's close to me. It's like a half hour away. Oh, well, you can go see it. If you leave right now, you can, well, actually, you'll get there ten minutes into the movie if you leave right now. Absolutely not. I'll see it tomorrow. So, <laughs> I'll check. Tomorrow, there's two show times, buddy. 6.40 and 9.20 p.m. <laughs> Damn. That 
That is yeah, you could go see it. Kind of awesome. I might, yeah. I might. I mean, why not? I mean, smoke them if you got them. <laughs> yeah. You know? And hell, you could you could double feature it with James Cameron's Avatar, The Way of the Water. Or I could triple feature it and do the mean <laughs> one, Avatar, and then Violent Night. It's like you're making a shit sandwich. Exactly. <laughs> I think everybody, a lot of people that talk about movies are probably going to talk about Avatar uh, during this month. And uh, I am, uh, I just totally don't care. Yeah. I I don't really wish anything well on Avatar. I wish Avatar, I, I wish it would do well, but like do better than all the Marvel movies. But at this point it doesn't really matter because like Marvel movies aren't doing as well as Marvel movies, you know? And it's like, man, you know, I'd, I'd like some giant spectacle like this to come around once every seven years and be like check out this labor of fucking movie and human production and uh yeah you know i think james cameron wants this to be it but it just isn't and uh it just is a fucking bad taste pocahontas you know yep then there's a it's weird because it's it's opening huge in China, I guess. And it's funny because the divide it it appears and I think it partially has to do with like the lang- like a language barrier thing, but it appears that most of the things that's highly visually, you know, spectacle, like big spectacle movies do super well over there and they don't do as well here usually. So you can count on things like Transformers to do way better in foreign markets. You can Ooh. count on like an Avatar to do way better in foreign I'm so markets. Yeah, I mean, Beast Wars was really fun when I was little. Uh, I didn't really I care. I didn't really know much about Transformers, and but I did know about Beast Wars. So there was a little bit of a woo when that trailer came out. I'm you know. Psyched. Oh my god. <clears throat> yeah, Transformers had the awful luck of like having like a guy like Michael Bay market a better movie. You know what I mean? Like the first the first trailer for Transformers was actually like the first Transformers was actually like whoa, that's like kind of dark. It's kind of scary. It's like that them on the moon, and I think it was them on the moon or them on Mars, and they're like it's like this scrambled transmission and then all of a sudden out of nowhere here comes like optimus prime like stomping over and like crushing the robot you're like oh you know and it was presented in a way that was like a little bit intense and then you watch the movie and it's like just a joke the entire way through and i don't know it's just my personality but i was like i want the trailer movie i want that (laughs) this is not i don't this is not it I, mean, this is Transformers I disconnected really. It's Michael Bay, but I don't know if he's directing this one. I don't think he is. Uh, you know, uh, but I think the. I mean, I do think that there's a pivot happening. I think it's been happening oh, with yeah. Transformers, yeah, where they're like, trying to do something a little bit different. Bumblebee rocked and was like an yeah. actually like good movie with like references to kind of like classic Transformers shit. And Mm -hmm. I think what they're doing in this new one is, like, classic fucking, uh, 
like big rig optimist with the like windows on his chest um like classic sort of toy design shit that you know 80s kids i think are are more responding to than michael bay thinking he needs to like make this tech fucking imperceptible to the human eye to like engage the early 2000s crowd and it's like at the time it was cool you know like i like seeing a lot of that shit in hindsight just because of like how busy it is but you know ultimately watching those old beast wars things like watch watching fucking optimus primal transform is awesome every time and it's like yeah and that animation is awful yeah absolute fucking trash but they somehow (laughs) managed to like make that shit look awesome every time like all those transformations look great but yeah Michael Bay just couldn't do it. Yeah. Michael Bay is, you know, he's like a 13-year-old boy underneath of it all. Yeah. And, I mean, I I think that, like, you would think that that would be an asset, you know, that that would be a feature, you know, not a flaw. But it actually is a flaw, and it was, like, a really unnerving flaw. Like, the amount of, like, Megan Fox cleavage that they had to, like... It was, like, Megan Fox cleavage explosions and robots and in between that Shia LaBeouf being boring just screaming and it's like, like a child yeah and it's just like this is not entertaining for me I don't know. so a lot of these even like the, they've gotten that way with like Jurassic Worlds where you're just like I don't give a shit about anything that's happening in these movies unless this, there's so many blockbusters that don't matter unless now. this last movie this last Jurassic World is just like dinosaurs retaking over the planet like I don't want to see it that's what I wanted the pitch to be. When I when they said Jurassic World the first time, I was like, ooh, the dinosaurs got off the island, and now they, they're, like, breeding out of control, and people were, like, trying to go and, like, smash the eggs before these things hatch, but it's, like, it's happening too quick, and it was like, that's going to be cool. And it's the same thing I said about Westworld. If Westworld had done, the robots got out of the park, and they destroy the world, and then you jump ahead in time like 20 years and it's like the whole world is completely decimated and it essentially has become an a, a lawless land with these robot gunslingers you know yeah. fighting real people who are also having to fight like gunslingers like that would have been fucking great and it would have delivered on the idea of west world mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it just brings everything back and and, and that would have been cool and it would have taken Ed Harris's character on Westworld is the man in black, and it's like he goes to the park every year, and he's obsessed with trying to solve the riddle and trying to figure out what really is behind this whole game that's been created. And he goes there every year and, like, walks around, and he's a gunswinger and, you know, shoots, you know, and all this stuff. But what happens is, like, once the game becomes real all of those things that he's learned to do at the park through all these years and all these repetitions. Well, now the bullets are real and he is a very well-trained gunslinger. He's been in these scenarios a thousand times. So now he's going after robots for real and like they're firing back and the stakes have come alive. And like, if you do that version of it, robots take over the world, you jump ahead 20 years and like Ed Harris is like, you know, this old rickety gunslinger that's been just hunting robots 
in the post-apocalypse. Like, fucking cool. But instead, they just <laughs> drop everything, and, like, they changed everything about the show, and they made it about the future. Look, look, you now you're out of the park, and you get to see what the real world is like, and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't care about any of this. Like, I, <laughs> I want cowboys. That's what you, you get. You told me robot cowboys. And now I'm looking at flying cars. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And then they got canceled because <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have any ideas, you get canceled. That's, That's right. what happens. That's right. <sighs> All right. Anyways, next week, we'll talk about fat man first and we'll be back for violent night. And then it'll essentially be Christmas and that'll be that. Yeah. Thank God. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the year is almost over, almost as quickly as it started. Yeah, I'm fucking <sighs> so excited for January. Yeah, so excited. What's January? What's happening? Well, I'm just like, I'm working like five days uh, the week of Christmas, and mm. I've worked <laughs> more than four days uh, in a week in. At least 10 years. Uh, and just not looking forward to, you know, splitting more of my time amongst my job and, like, my stuff. But January, yeah. we're closed from the 1st to the 7th. And Ooh. I'm going to organize um, with the drink and draw people that I've been kind of corralling out here the last couple of weeks, a uh, 24-hour comic day where we're all going to get together and just draw, or try to draw, you know, a 25-page comic in 24 hours. Between all of you? No, like each each of us. Uh, Jesus. There's, there's like a specific <laughs> day that Scott McLeod picked for it, but... I've just been itching to do it for a while, and now that I got Jeff here and I got a couple other buds that are curious about it, I figured I'd give it a shot. You know, that's horrific. I I would be very anxious the whole day. Well, the thing it's is, a recipe like, for a good heart attack. You don't do like any planning. Like you, you can come up with like an idea, but like you just want to jump into it and just let whatever happens happen. You know. And I like, I love that shit. So I got a, I got a big book out just to, just to have it. And it probably won't be very big, but you know. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yep. No, I'm good. Have fun, man. <laughs> yeah. Glad you're excited. No, I'm gonna. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> that's that's when that's like all I'm doing for that week off. Yeah. And then I'll probably just you know draw normally. Yep. Otherwise, you know. Yeah. We good. Oh. All right, guys. Have a good have a good week. We love you. Yeah, bye. thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right, Fat Man next week. Easy peasy. In Bat 497, the legend ends. When the criminal mastermind Vane breaks into the Chiropteran Cavern, it spells disaster for the legendary vigilante Bat in the latest publication from Ah Comics. 
Get your hands on this oversized, extravagantly swollen package of stunning comics glory today so that it may pump into you all manner of wonderment, fill you to overflowing with ecstasy, and allow you to ejaculate with praise of this stunning masterpiece. Penis. Available at linktr.ee slash awe.comics, 47 pages of story, 30-page pinup gallery, for only $15, adults only. <sighs> you know what else is crazy is, like, they, <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of speculation that Henry Cavill left The Witcher based on that he was Superman again. So now it's like, oh no, you're not Superman, and also like Liam Hemsworth has already taken your place on the Witcher series. <laughs> so it's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is being Henry Cavill sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. the worst. The worst job in the world is being Henry Cavill. Uh, oh, I guess now his only hope is James Bond. Let's see if that can happen. <laughs> yeah, Mission Impossible. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, I think Henry Cavill should be Bond. I feel like it would be a good, a good fit for him. Be something a little bit different, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's made his money. <laughs> I just feel it's hilarious to me how often these Superman roles end in abject tragedy. Like, <laughs> like I mean, he hasn't died. So, no, that's next week. <laughs> well, Brandon Ruth is still around, so is he? He's got at least until he kicks it. You know, the last time I saw him was in Zack and Miri make a porno. <laughs> no, he was he was Superman, wasn't he? Again? Yes. Yeah, but after that, Zack and Miri make a porno. Oh, Dylan Dog in the Dead of Night. <laughs> oh, that was after all that shit. Yeah. That guy, that guy After has like, had a great career. Well, he was Kingdom Come Superman, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, could you imagine? I played Superman in a Hollywood movie, and now I'm on the set with Greg Berlanti. <laughs> I'm also the Adam. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know. It's just every time there's a Superman, it always ends poorly. Yeah. Like, like if you get cast as Superman, it's like, it's a pox on your house. You know what I mean? Like, you're either going to be George Reeves and, like, apparently, in air quotes, kill yourself in your the bedroom of your house during a dinner party. Just, like, I don't know how many people, like, <laughs> there was, like, a bullet hole found in the floor, I think. And one in his head. It's like that doesn't seem doesn't seem like somebody who's committing suicide would be like, well, I don't want to make sure this works. Let me test it out by shooting into the floor. That's the 30s, it seems, you know, it seems an awful lot like George Reeves might have been, you know, murdered. People aren't asking, you know, questions back then. <clears throat> Christopher Reeves obviously becomes paralyzed. Dean Kane has to be Dean Kane <laughs> forever. <laughs> The, the Superman and Lois, Lois guy, and the Lois yeah. and Clark guy. Yeah, yeah, the Lois and Clark guy. Yep. The only one that nothing bad has happened to yet is Tyler Hoechlin. But is it the new Lois knows. and Clark guy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, him and I guess Tom Welling, but I mean, like, what has Tom Welling done recently? It's pretty much, you play Superman and that's it. That's the rest of your life. If you try to not, if you try to play another character, you're not going to be able to. It's over. Yeah. You've made your bed and it's over. Um, and that seems to be true. Seems like you play Superman and then nothing. <laughs> like you could be Brandon Routh and you could be like, I'm gonna be in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I'm gonna be in Dylan Dog in the Dead at Night. I'm gonna be in Zack and Mary make a porno. But it's like always bit parts. It goes by pretty much unnoticed. <clears throat> it's actually I feel like that's gonna happen to Henry Dylan Cavill. Dylan Dog uh, comics out there. I gotta find. Yeah. But I never saw the movie. Nor do I know no anything one about it. But yeah. Yeah, no one saw it. It's just if you play Superman, that's it. Henry Cavill, you know, when he was still in contention, he had The Witcher. You know? You're like, oh, well, maybe he'll pull this off. But now, it's ended in tragedy and no more Henry Cavill. For the rest of time, Henry Cavill, he will sign autographs at conventions for $15 a pop. As Sherlock and... Holmes. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like, that's... I don't know. It's over. It's over. Henry Cavill... You had a good run, I guess. Imagine if Nicolas Cage got cast as Superman and, like, you know, his career just ended. <laughs> I mean, I feel like his career probably would have done the exact same thing. I That's my inkling. You know, it's just like... Yeah, it would have been he's a bad, Nicolas Cage. bad Superman movie, but like everyone still would have been like, yeah, well, it's Nick Cage. Yeah, I mean, that that seems to be the way that it would have happened. However, the curse of Superman. Like, we don't know what would have happened. Is the curse of Superman stronger than the power of Nick Cage? I don't know. Maybe that's why he never got cast in the role because, like, his power was too great that the Superman curse was just like, I can't hold on. That would be good. The glow too that would make sense from this one. Yeah, the curse was like somebody kiboshed this movie because I don't think I can take him down. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's a good idea. I like that thought process. You know, in working under the assumption that the curse of Superman is real, I would like to nominate James Corden as the new Superman in this James Gunn-led universe. I hope nothing happens to him. 